You're listening to the e-commerce marketing show presented by Privy. Live from my closet. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave. This episode is a masterclass episode that we did with Casey Armstrong, the CMO at ShipBob. Had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and then we wanted to do a Zoom call with a bunch of our customers, a little bit more behind-the-scenes Q&A. And so we grabbed the audio from that, and we're running it here on the podcast, so you can listen to this wherever you are. And because it's a quick plug to go check out Privy Masterclass, where you can learn basically everything you need to know about e-commerce marketing. It's privy.com slash masterclass. You can check out upcoming masterclasses, all the ones that we've recorded in the past. And we're going to start running them all here on the podcast for you. So they're super easy to listen to wherever you are. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Casey. We have a bunch of questions that we got before this, but I want to dive right into this with you today. So we did a podcast a couple weeks ago. And one of the things that we've been doing since then is actually going deeper with some of the guests that we've gotten a lot of questions for. And so like what you can't see behind the scenes right now is that I have a spreadsheet and a deck with a million questions in it. And so I'm hoping that we can kind of rapid fire through a bunch of those questions. And then most importantly, open it up to questions from people that are here. And then one cool thing that we do is we're actually going to take this recording and we're going to have it on our podcast. And so if you're not already listening to the e-commerce marketing show, go and check it out. Last week, we crossed 10,000 downloads thanks to Casey's episode, which is sweet. And it's going to be a good place where if you want to get more content, you can go check this out. So without further ado, let's hop right in this. Casey, first question on the hot seat for you is, this is a question. I don't know who this is from. We took out the names. We've seen an increase in customer support inquiries related to shipping times. Do you have any advice for managing these even if we're a small team? So I would start at like the root cause of the issue. And so what we've seen at ShipBob, I'd say we have the scale to provide data that's actually worth listening to. We ship you know millions of orders a month. Is the carriers are actually still shipping pretty close to the same speeds that they were before coronavirus. It's likely just not getting out of your fulfillment center at the same speed. I don't have additional context on this question. I don't know if this person's self-fulfilling. I don't know which carriers they're using. There's a bunch of unknowns. But overall, we're seeing the same SLAs on carriers. And so I think that if there's anything to be doing more of now than maybe pre-COVID, it's talking to your partners and talking to your customers. And so I'd pick up the phone, talk to your fulfillment partners and see what the issue is. Because that's the same thing with Amazon. Amazon, it's not the carrier. It's Amazon's getting just bombarded with essential orders and they can't handle that influx for all of their products. And so they can't pick them, pack and get them out the door fast enough. Do you think there's probably an opportunity to also just like get ahead of that on your website, in your email copy? Just like, I think the disclaimer of like, hey, things from support to shipping to whatever right now might be a little behind as you might expect during times like these. Like, don't you think it's, even though you might not know the answer, it's, it's about setting expectations? 100%. And so that gets to kind of the root cause as well, where it's like, how can you reduce your customer support tickets and yeah, put it in the persistent nav at the beginning, say, hey, we're fully operational and thinking on time or hey, we expect some slight delays because there's a lot of things that are out of our control. I mean, people are understanding, I should say, most people are 
We've had some interesting conversations, as I'm sure you have. But yes, I'd say just you know be overly transparent with this stuff. Cool. Okay, next one. Should we messaging delays and shipping times on our website? What's the best way to do this and still get people to buy? In that case, because sometimes people are worried about their conversion rates getting hit if they say that there's a slight delay. But I think as long as you let them know that you have inventory and that you're still shipping and you're still open for business and there might be like a slight delay. And also we've seen some of our customers do some really creative things and just the way that they email and message their customers too. And just letting them know, and maybe even like stealing the verbiage that your fulfillment partners use and just sharing with them that in advance. Just be proactive and get ahead of it and let them know, hey, you can still buy. And if, if you're running any specific promotions or, or bundles, because people are buying large quantities today, but just yeah, getting ahead of it in advance. It seems like that's the number one thing people are thinking about. And so like, you don't want to have somebody go through the pain of placing an order, waiting for it, and then wondering what's happening. Where if you say, hey, we're running a little bit behind right now, as expected, but we're still open for business. Somebody on our team, like a couple of weeks ago, got a great email from Levi's about when they initially shut down their stores. And they were like, hey, just a reminder though, you can always go to levis.com and you know, we are still open for business right now. Here's what to expect. I think having a, a simple message on your site can go a long way. How you message this can be a handful of different ways, but just letting them know that you actually have inventory. Because that's a problem as well. And I think we'll get to a question like that soon as well, which is what if I can't even get inventory in the first place? But I believe it was Fashion Nova that had some interesting news in the last couple of days where they're getting sued because they were promising specific delivery windows and they were exceeding that 30-day shipment speed. And so I've heard this about other brands as well, where people are saying, hey, we've got inventory because they want to capitalize on all this demand, but they don't even have their product yet. And so people are kind of wary of specific brands. And so it's getting ahead of that as well. I mean, you just want to provide the best customer experience and also have these people coming back as well. And also understand that like, even at the level of Amazon, people aren't getting things the next day or in two days right now. And so like, I think to have expectations that you're going to be any different, people are okay with that, with placing orders and not getting things right away. Okay, this is a good question. This is a layup for you based on the trends data you have. What changes have you seen in how sales have been impacted across different products, especially products that aren't considered essential? I'd say the two that stand out for me the most, and people can argue what is and isn't essential, but the health and beauty space has just been on fire. We're seeing that in our data. I know you guys are seeing some of this. Clavio has been seeing some of this. Common Thread Collective has been publishing a lot of data around this. The health and beauty space, I think, as people just see, like, what are they utilizing most today? It's, it's themselves. It's themselves on camera like we are today. It's some of the things like within their home, and it's also within home, it's also... How are they still exercising? And so I, I think that's another industry that's been fascinating to watch just take off. There's at the higher end, you know, like the Pelotons and Tonals and Mirrors of the world. But then there's also companies like Rogue Fitness and these like Kettlebell Kings and Kettlebell Companies. Like people are starting to build home gyms and finding any way possible where just finding out how they can work out. We may have joked about this last time. We were just going through like our Slack outside of COVID and ShipBob, like the top two topics in our company Slack is what are you eating and how are you working out? <laughs> it doesn't take much. Like I think that that's what's amazing about just like looking around, like observing what's happening in your life. And you can really quickly pick up patterns on like 
what's going to be happening across the place. So follow-up question on this, and you might not know the answer to this is, what specific beauty products are selling a lot? Is it cosmetics? Is it skincare? And what, what do you think the reason is? I would have thought that if people are home and not in front of people, why would they buy cosmetics? I would love your opinion on this. Well, I think people are looking at themselves more than ever. And again, a lot of people are going to video chat. And so again, we're seeing it. It's kind of like a rather general answer, but it's really across the board. So a lot in skincare, we have a customer of ours that sells a lot of uh, hair products and they're seeing five to six X growth. They're not like a hundred thousand dollar a year business. that's now like hitting some inflection point. They're an eight figure GMV business. Like they make a lot of money. They've been around for 20 plus years and made the, made the move to direct to consumer several years ago and have done a great job. But they're seeing just this massive influx in people buying hair products from shampoos to, I don't know, whatever products people use to style it up to even straighteners and brushes and stuff like that. They've seen a huge increase. One thing that I've been seeing, at least just from Twitter, and we've seen this in, in our own data and customer, we're seeing like Black Friday, Cyber Monday levels of sales and traffic now. I'm curious to hear your take on like, what do you think that means? Assuming that not much is going to change in the world between now and, and November, right? Maybe, you know, you can go outside more or whatever. But assuming most people are still going to be home, do you think Black Friday, Cyber Monday is still going to have as big of an impact if we're seeing those levels now? I think so, because that's often when people maximize like their deals. And so people are still going to want to bargain. I think that people are just shifting, obviously, their buying behavior from brick and mortar to online. To paint, I'd say, a, a rosy possibility is, especially for those of us you know, running a direct-to-consumer brand, is just as you called out, Dave, Amazon has lacked what they consider their prime delivery SLAs now. And so that's more or less even the playing field for those that can still ship and fulfill. And so I think that's to an extent training the masses because so many people rely on and utilize Amazon to start looking elsewhere. And so this could be a great opportunity. This is going to happen over time. I think it's just accelerating where Amazon's kind of opened the door for all these direct-to-consumer brands for the consumers to, I think, start relying more heavily and welcoming these D2C brands, even though it's all over the place. And so we'll remove the fulfillment part of the conversation for a second. If you think of the digital wallets, which is really about three years ago that they really started to become much more prevalent. And so PayPal, Amazon OneClick, Shopify Pay, Visa has their own. And so that just makes the, the ease of purchase so easy. People don't want to get out of their bed to go find their wallet. And then now people are looking around where I ordered something on Amazon back in March and it said it'd be here between like May 24th and like June 16th. And I'm like, from Amazon? Like, this is crazy. Usually I get things the next day. A lot of these direct-to-consumer brands can fulfill much faster than that. And so you're getting this Amazon experience, not just with the digital wallets and the one-click checkout at the top of the funnel, but you're also providing even better experience after the fact. I think you made a good point, which I hadn't thought of, which is like, I guess it's also just like this big marketing event that's not going to go away. You know, it's like, let's come up with the most ridiculous package and offer you have for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, beyond what's happening right now. And if people are buying now from these brands, and if these brands can capitalize on, or maybe capitalize is the wrong word, but they can nurture these relationships. And now they're actually having these conversations with their customers and they're getting them in, you know, privy or whatever tool they use for communication with their customers. And now they're starting to build that rapport. 
why would they go to Amazon? And there's nothing wrong with Amazon. I think Amazon can be a great complement to many direct-to-consumer businesses. But I think it just it opens up a, a huge opportunity. And it's kind of this forcing function for people to maybe shift their buying behavior. Next question is, we've seen massive delays due to lockdowns in other countries. How have you seen customers manage these situations, if you have? God, that is tough. I mean, it depends on the country and who your freight forwarders are. And if you have any relationships there, we have our, our operator series we run on ShipBob. And we had a, a longtime customer of ours, Mark, who runs a company called Backblade. So by the way, if you want some entertainment during this craziness, go check out some old Backblade commercials. They're awesome. And so this is just, I think, really highlights the importance of relationships and long-term relationships. And so they manufacture primarily in China. And he's been using the same manufacturer for the last four years. And so this doesn't necessarily help people that are now starting to hit this problem today or that are new to -to direct-to-consumer, but it's just something to think through is he has a point person. He can call him or her at any time. And he's confident that they're going to help find a way, whether it's on a boat or through air, that they're going to be able to get inventory over to him. And maybe right now, it's smart to like stock up more in advance and talk through the deal terms that you can get with your suppliers. And is it going to be net 30 or net 60 or whatever the deal terms will be there? I would focus on that. And also, it's a good time to think through, can you go domestic? What are some other opportunities? And I know a lot of the domestic suppliers and manufacturers are getting slammed, especially in certain industries. So they might not be able to fit you in. And I know a lot of them are turning down new business because they want to make sure they take care of their existing customers. But I don't know, just just getting creative. I'm going to throw in one of my questions, which is, how do you feel that e-commerce is really in the focus right now? And you've kind of been in this industry for, I don't know what you did before big commerce, but like you've had a big role in this industry. Is it interesting to sit back here and see like the world really quickly shifting from in-store to e-commerce? Like, have you felt anything or had an opinion about that? There's a reason why I'm in the industry and that's because I'm very bullish on it long term. <laughs> I've never been more bullish on it than I am today. And again, it's just, it's, people are just, uh, they are, we're being forced to utilize e-commerce and it's really opening up the value of what it provides as well and just the ease of the entire experience. How do we keep up with inventory when our vendors have extended waiting uh, wait times during COVID-19 and buying excessively may not be an option? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we just talked about before and just start looking, talking to other suppliers or manufacturers. And again, it's they're probably all slammed, um, but just... Work, work that phone. Start looking around, especially looking to source locally because uh, they can get it to you as fast as, as fast as possible. All right, here's a heavy, here, here's a, let's see how, let's see what you, what you got. Uh, what happens if the USPS goes bankrupt? I obviously have a lot of blind spots in this section. My take would be that we bailed out the airlines there's no way we're not going to bail out USPS. They're not going, they're not going to go under. It's a good, it's a good take. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks for that's that. My, that's my, yeah. Welcome to first take. Now, now we're on ESPN. <laughs> All right. As, as a marketer, um, you know, forget, e- well, you're in e-commerce, but like, how would you be thinking about turning, you know, you mentioned, um, keeping these relationships going from new customers now all the way through Black Friday. And how, how would you be thinking about as a marketer 
turning this maybe one-time traffic and, and purchase into into a long-term customer relationship right now? Like, what are the what are some things in that playbook that are important? So think about like why why are your customers buying from you in the first place? Why aren't they buying from your competitor? Why aren't they buying maybe some more generic, cheaper product on Amazon? Um, who are they? Who are these people? Um, and and just trying to provide as much value to them as possible, whether that value is, um, I don't know, entertainment. Like Dave, you do a great job of providing entertainment while selling B2B, at the end of the day, it's B2B software. Um, and so I, I, I highly recommend people look at not, not, not just their competitors, but like what are other interesting brands in like tangential spaces doing? So even look at like the best B2B businesses, or let's say you're in um, the beauty space. What are the top apparel companies doing? Um, what, what is the content or communication that they're driving? Find the skeeziest, direct marketer affiliate people you can and see like, how are they writing their copy and keeping people engaged? Um, but just, you got, you got to understand your customer and understand why they're coming back to you. Um, when I was running a site called paleo hacks forever ago, it was really knowing like, why are, why are our readers coming back so often? And, uh, why do they buy from us versus somewhere else? And this is when e-commerce was, even, um, you know, much more early stage. And we knew it was because that dad or, or mom on the weekends wanted to go and like, you know, at little Billy's baseball game and, and tell, or at the end of the cul-de-sac and say, uh, and, and brag about this awesome paleo dish that they whipped up for their kids and how healthy they are and like signal that they're like, that they're forward thinking or, um, the new awesome kettlebell workout that they're doing while they eat just tons of bacon. Um, it's just, what, what is it that, that we're providing them and we're arming them with like, I don't know, sounding cool in the neighborhood. And it sounds, it might sound stupid, but like, that's honestly what we were providing. Like when we threw out that type of content, people would eat it up and buy from us. And then we'd publish something from, from this PhD on breaking down like why vitamin C is good and how to utilize it most effectively. And like, you know, get to like the molecular level crickets. I'm like, okay, fine. They want to wear their want Vibram entertainment. Vibes. People want entertainment. entertainment. That's it. We, we, so here, now we're really getting off the tangent, but whatever, here we are. Um, so we, we had a pretty big Facebook following. I drive so much traffic over Facebook um, organically. And back when this was a thing. And then one day Facebook comes in, like cuts our head off. All of a sudden Facebook traffic drops by like nine, like literally 90%. Like how do we get this back up? And so we start poking around and we would literally post um, these like Ryan Gosling, Hey girl memes with like bacon involved. They would blow up and it would drive traffic and it would drive sales. Um, and we would always try to provide real value and bring in again, like PhDs or uh, real nutritionists. Um, but you have to mix in the entertainment and understand like what else people are looking for. Love it. Good tangent. We can always t have a tangent about marketing. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> this a good question in chat from David. What's your take on the future of drop shipping from China to other countries? Is this model sustainable with local fulfillment centers such as Amazon getting more and more efficient? Do you foresee drop shipping logistics to get more efficient over time? So I guess it depends on how people define drop shipping. And then here, if you're saying people 
drop ship directly from China to the end consumer or people drop ship from China to themselves or to the fulfillment centers in the U.S. to then fulfill. So, um, David, if you want to expand on that a little bit, please go for it. Um, from China, direct consumer. Um, there's always going to be a space for this. Um, and, but there's, there's always just such a, there's so much space to cover there, that distance. And so, um, this is a, maybe a, a biased answer, but I truly believe it. And this is part of the reason why I'm at Shipbob is for people to own more of the product and be closer to the end consumer. Um, drop shipping is almost just slightly evolved a bit. And like, you know, you can utilize a company like, let's just say Shipbob or somebody within the United States. And then can you just ship to them from there? And so essentially you drop shipping because you never even need to touch a product. Um, and with, with China, because you can ship from China rather inexpensively, speed is an issue, uh, but it's just how much control of your supply chain do you want and where are you willing to, to take those risks? Because again, it makes sense for certain businesses, um, but in times like this, or if there are other problems getting things in and out of certain countries, or if different governments take stances that, that kind of block uh, commerce between each country, Again, it, it might be cheaper to do it from China, uh, but you just have to, to weigh those risks. Good question, David. Um, how, how, do you, how, do you, how would you avoid appearing opportunistic with a COVID-19 message as a brand? That's definitely the number one question we get on the stuff that we do, talking to merchants. When you and I chat before hopping on, um, I think it's realize depending on what you're selling, because um, some people will be opportunistic and prey on the weak, and they shouldn't. Um, but it's thinking through what is your product and is it actually providing value, especially during times like this. And if people are buying, um, it's likely because it is not necessarily essential, but it is something that they want. So, like with Shipbob, we are helping make sure that these businesses are operating and that they're able to fill their product to their consumer. Because if they don't, they don't have a business and they can't feed themselves and their families and their employees and their employees' families, and the end consumer loses as well. And so, because that's something that, that we thought about a lot when this came on is like, how do we continue to market and sell during this time when a lot of people are so negatively impacted? But it's, in, it's realizing that our business is essential for so many others. And so the same thing could be said for a lot of these direct-to-consumer brands. So um, I'm thinking of like, uh, Verb Energy, for example. I don't know if I'd call it essential. I'm a big fan of the product. They sell these like protein bars infused with caffeine. They're pretty awesome. Um, and, but, the, but they are a food supplement. And they are helping people during this time. And something that they've done, which is awesome, is they've donated, I'm trying to think what the number is now, I want to say over 300,000 bars to those on the front lines at the hospitals um, and health clinics supporting people. And so they're taking a lot of their, um, their top line um, and pun pushing that into supporting the greater ecosystem and those that are actually helping during this time. So it, it is benefiting them and getting them more awareness, but they're using, um, I'd say, their, their wins and proceeds in the right way, which is to help people that are, that are really out there um, supporting people during this time. 
All right, here's a ShipBob specific one. How does ShipBob handle returns? Who conducts the CS? What does the entire process look like? Thanks from Tim in Australia. Hey, Tim. Um, they can be done several ways. And so you can ship back to ShipBob and we handle everything there. And then it can either be restocked, discarded, or donated. Um, and then if you want, you can ship it back to yourself as well. But from a technology standpoint, like visibility, it's all managed through ShipBob. Love it. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. We're gonna wrap up with this. Uh, this will be our our last one. So then you can get back to whatever you got to do. Um, what what's what's kind of been your like? What's kind of been your personal you know uh, thought process mantra right now? You know, as somebody who's got to run a marketing team, got to help a business grow, but also you know, has a family and is understanding like what's happening in the world. Like where, where, what's the approach that you've taken to your team and your business every day? Just everything that we put out is just, we need to make sure that it is providing the most value to our customers or prospects or people in the ecosystem as much as possible. And I mean, when, when, you know, when you do content marketing in general, that's always what you're thinking about, but it's just, you know, and, and we have a business to run, we have KPIs to hit, but it's just airing heavily on value for the customer. Like with our operator series, there were other things that were taking up time and we did in a similar fashion, which drove a lot more, uh, let's say, lead, lead flow and opportunities and revenue and all of that good stuff. Um, we shelved all of that for the last month. And we're in it shelved for the next probably, I don't know, three, four plus months, maybe for the foreseeable, you know, for the foreseeable future because we want to get owners and operators on to provide as much value as possible. That's with the trends thing. There's not a single CTA on our, our trends.shipbob.com thing. And that's by design. It's how can we give as much value as possible? And I think as long as we do the right things now, um, we'll put ourselves in a good position in the future. Uh, but it's just making sure everything that we do is, um, again, providing as much value as we can today. Love it. Casey, thanks for dropping in for, for 30 minutes today. I, I appreciate it. Um, you should go back and listen to the e-commerce marketing show we, with the whole interview with Casey talking about a little bit more than what we just talked about today. But I appreciate it. You can go go and check out all your stuff at shipbob.com. You are uh, KCA on Twitter. There we go. KCA on Twitter. All right. I'm out of here. Good luck. I'll see you around. Thanks, everybody. Bye.